0: It's an unspoiled network podcast This is unspoiled covering Doctor Who season 4 episode 4 Planet of the Ood In this episode I get the answers to questions that I had that I kind of like didn't want the answer to because I knew this was going to be kind of what the answer was and like Donna, I would like you to please take it away. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't like it. Welcome to Unspoiled. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I am Natasha. And I am Jamie, friend of the Ood. <laughs> friend indeed. Indeed. Yeah, so, oh my god. Guys, like, this episode was just really brutal. It was so sad. I hated it so much. Uh, I was. It was s- really... It ready. was so dark that it was intended to be
1: the second episode of the season... And they felt like it was too dark to come right after Partners in Crime. Mm -hmm. And so they switched it with
0: The Fires of Pompeii. That makes sense because this would be kind of harsh right away. Yeah. I can understand that. Um, I do like the idea that like when they're filming these, they aren't totally sure where they're going to wind up.
1: I think they have a general idea, but I th- I think it was the right decision of like, this is a really dark for Doctor Who episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it while it does end on a sort of positive note, it goes to such a sad place mm-hmm. that it would be hard to recover from. And that's a lot for the character of Donna, mm-hmm. for us to think this is her first experience.
0: Yeah, right.
1: But now I understand more her oh, I I don't want this, take me home. Mm-hmm. Because when it was written this was the first adventure she went on.
0: Oh, okay. I mean I still would I still understand it, even without it being her first adventure. Oh, but same yeah. but
1: I understand it even more. Yeah. Like this is the first thing she's being subjected to and like, no, what, I like the little cute fat creatures. Mm. What's this? Slavery?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... um The fact that this intensity pops up with Donna is really nice. Because if this were with Martha, because they just didn't do much with her, I don't feel like this would have played as well. I feel like yeah. I wouldn't have... I it's uh, I feel I have mixed feelings on it because then I'm like Martha didn't get to do much and maybe it, like this sort of episode would have given her an opportunity to actually do something so I well, don't know but
1: I think that they have a much clearer idea of who Donna is as a character where I don't think that they really got that with Martha. I don't think they mm. ever really figured out who she was supposed to be. Right. Because even Rose when Rose did have experiences with the ood was upset about the slavery side of it and was objecting to it. That's because true. Because Rose Rose was very clearly defined. We understood her character and her motivations and how her reactions to things were like, yeah, okay. Of course Rose would react that way. Right. But Martha, for some reason, they just never built her. Mm -hmm. And so she was like just this blank slate that never, unfortunately, contributed very much. And Donna is so clearly defined, even in her one episode. Like none of this is a surprise if you go back and look at how she behaved in Runaway Bride.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I don't know why that is. I don't know why they weren't able to figure Martha out.
0: Yeah, because it sort of felt to me at the time like I was getting who she was right out of the gate. Well, I- yeah. In the first episode, I feel like she's almost a different character. Yeah, it does feel that way. Like, I don't know. She just seemed – she was really thinking on her feet. She was trying really mm-hmm. hard to, like, um, logic things out in a – I don't want to say, like, a Sherlock-y way because it really – the the – Dots she was connecting weren't like the sort of supernatural connecting of dots that Sherlock does, but she was definitely somebody who was thinking things through more than your average person.
1: Right. She was. She was presented as a very smart person from the get go. Mm-hmm. She's a medical student, and she handled the landing on the moon suddenly with with calmness and like didn't freak out like everybody else. Yep. And was willing to sort of go on this adventure with him. But then they, it's like they switched it to, oh, she has a crush on the doctor because when they kissed in that first episode, there was chemistry, but he's not ready. So that's what her arc is going to be is that she's just gonna have a crush on him the whole time. This unrequited thing. And, with Donna, it's so clear, like, that's not the case. We're not going to do that again. And also, we've got this really strong actress. Not that is not a strong actress, because she is. Mm-hmm. She but wasn't Catherine given a chance. Tate's, true. But Catherine Tate brings a whole different type of energy. Her charisma is so different and kind of undeniable. They, there's no way that Donna could be like a shrinking violet ever.
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, The mere idea.
1: Last week we were talking about, um, Catherine Tate and David Tennant doing much do about nothing. And one of our listeners was kind enough to send me a YouTube video of a large portion of that play. Oh, cool. Um, with most of the other stuff taken out, it's mostly any time that either one of them is on stage And even with that, which is a sort of modern retelling of Much Do About Nothing while using Shakespeare's language, Mm -hmm. which I always really love when that is the way a play is done as well. um, She's just got that Catherine Tatey kind of vibe to Beatrice, which is very different (laughs) from any other person I've seen perform that character. She just has something that is loud and strong and i think that it adds so much to this show
0: yeah i totally agree because a doctor is a fucking steamroller mm-hmm. like he steamrolls right over everybody a lot of the time you mm-hmm. need somebody who has the ability to stand up to that in a way that feels legitimate. Like she's also
1: a steamroller, exactly.
0: Right, so yeah, it's really fun to watch the two of them like vie for the upper hand. Um, so okay, the opening of this episode is an advertisement for the ood, um, and the price for one of these is fifty credits, and. That just is so insultingly low to me. Like 50? I mean, I don't know how much credits are really, really worth in comparison right. to, you know, U.S. dollars. But, but
1: it's been cut because they are,
0: people aren't buying these slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I would love to know what the reasoning is behind the downturn in the sales. Because we don't get a real explanation about that. We just hear that the sales are down. And I would like to think that people are just kind of like, "Yeah, this creeps me out. I don't like any of this." They have scary faces. The like obsequiousness is sort of like feels unnatural, and I just, you know, but wishful thinking, doubtless. (laughs) Um, So, the gentleman who's watching this commercial and who is surprised to hear that we are dropping the price that low. He asks his Ood to get him one of the military figure files, and it brings back a domestic file. And he's like, that's not what I asked for. And the Ood's basically like, lol, who fucking cares? And holds up its little Translator sphere to his head and electrocutes him in the face. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely satisfying, and I was very happy that we were getting another Ood. Bite back episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was glad to find that this was not like, oh, we've taken over your brain and are forcing you to do a thing like it was with the original story. Yeah. You know, this is the Ood fighting back on their own behalf, really. Yeah. So thumbs up. Appreciate it. Um, so after the credits, the doctor and Donna wind up out on a snowfield. And Donna, in, again, a moment of her just being me and the way I would be, turns and goes back into the damn TARDIS and gets her huge fucking parka that has a hood on it that's just enormous. Mm -hmm. And I am so glad that, you know, like, really, (laughs) it's just this is exactly the kind of shit I would be worried about. You need to be prepared. I hope that she also has hiking boots, long johns. Who knows? <laughs> um,
1: well, she probably does. She brought like seven suitcases. Exactly.
0: And you know, laugh if you want, guys. But if Martha in her little leather jacket were out here, that would not be adequate. So it's fine.
1: I used to pack almost an entire suitcase just to go spend the weekend at a friend's house. Same
0: used to because i don't know
1: what i'm gonna well i don't spend the night at my friend's houses very often but if i have to go somewhere for a weekend i'm it's a full suitcase i don't know what i'm gonna feel like wearing i have to have all the options what if i decide like i feel like wearing something that's left at home and i also bring like seven pairs of shoes it's ridiculous but i do
0: yeah this um past weekend when i went to orlando i literally just brought like pajamas And face wash and shampoo. It was really nice because I was getting makeup tests. So I didn't need to pack cosmetics or hair stuff. And I wore what I was going to wear the whole time on the plane. And I didn't have to pack any additional clothes or anything. Because I was only there for two nights. And I was getting in at one in the morning on the first night. So it didn't even really count. Yeah. Um, And it was so nice to not have a checked bag and to just like i checked in on my phone and went straight to security and didn't have to go to a desk or anything and then i got off the plane and scooted right on past everybody who was waiting for their their baggage to come at the baggage yeah. claim i have never felt so free it's really made me rethink everything about the way that i travel i'm like i might have to like figure out a way to be this kind of spare again because god it was nice
1: My friend who works for an airline, every time she comes to visit, she just shows up with a backpack. And I'm like, What? Where's your. She's like, What? Everything I need's in here. And I'm like, How?
0: Right? Exactly. How indeed. It's just, I managed to do it this one time and it was lovely. I don't know that I could pull that off for like a week the way people do. No. A couple days is possible. But. A couple
1: days when you don't have to bring hair products or exactly. makeup or really any clothes that matter because you're just going to some meetings and getting back on a plane. Yep.
0: Although I will say my outfit was super cute and went very well with my hair stylings. So I'm sure you're still you. I'm still me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, they are sort of like walking and don't really have a destination yet when a sound gets the doctor's attention. And, uh, there is this sort of rocket ship that goes right past their heads. And that is what initially draws Donna's attention. And she says that you've got a box. They've got a Ferrari. Let's see where he's going. And he sort of looks back at his box, like, Oh, that's not nice um and on the way there they come across an ood in the snow and he is in distress it's very sad i felt he was just all covered in snow you know like he, he was almost barely showing like if they hadn't just come across him at the right point they wouldn't have noticed him Mm -hmm. Um, and the doctor like trying to check up on him and he's like I I don't even know how to check his heart I don't know if he has a heart like what am I doing and uh, Donna is trying to talk to him and when the sound of his voice comes through like the translator sphere she like picks the sphere up to like speak back to him because she thinks she needs to do that and I love that moment so much because that is the exact sort of like mistake you'd make right You're thinking like, oh, this is some sort of like communication mechanism that is necessary. And I also need to speak back like I'm using like a walkie talkie or something. right? Um, How would she know? Exactly. You know, and I really am so curious about moments like that. Like, did the writers decide we're going to have her do this? Or did the actress say, if I were her, I'd think this. Do you think that's a can I put that in? Can I do this? It's a good question.
1: I'm wondering if Catherine Tate came up with it partially because her brain probably does work in that way. Mm -hmm. But also because she as a person (laughs) does not understand sci-fi stuff. So to her, that would be like, well, I speak into this, right? And she never watched the show before. So she didn't see the ood. Yeah. In a previous episode, so it may have just been something she improved.
0: Maybe. See, that's what I would like to... I, I feel like that feels like what it is.
1: See, now, if we had covered this episode before Dragon Con, that could have been a question that I could have walked up Ooh. and asked her in the panel that I went to. But I spent that entire panel, A, laughing my ass off because she's fucking hilarious, but also not able to come up with a question, and that would have been a good question. Isn't
0: that the most infuriating thing? I, I have had that a few times where they're like, does anybody have any questions? And I'm like, no. And I desperately wish I did. <laughs> oh, I hate this. I've had that a I, couple times. I did have a question
1: I wanted to ask David Tennant, but I could not get myself to stand up because oh. I was afraid if I tried, I would, my voice would shake too much. I would panic. Burst into tears. I, <laughs> I had already, already done that. <laughs> right when he I walked forgot out that you had said that yeah but because he was real oh my god <laughs> he's actually a person um but i did have a question i wanted to ask him and i just chickened out what was the question that's okay i wanted to ask him if he and michael sheen had a competition over who could be hammier on set nice but i i chickened out that's all it was i was too scared to go up to a microphone and actually ask him a question and have
0: him look at me. Listen, <laughs> when I, I, w- I just that. I'm not mad at you do for it. that. <laughs> I have come to Next realize time. that I might be one of those extroverted introverts. So when I'm around people that I know and trust, I am like, you know, cannot be stopped. But when I'm in front of people that I don't know super well, or, you know, around somebody that I like want to impress and admire, I just like clam up. A lot of times.
1: Yeah.
0: Um Yeah. Aw. That's cute though. <laughs> um and yeah, she's trying to find out like what his name is and tells her what her tells it what her name is. Him, I guess, it's hard to know because it doesn't look like any of the ood are a different sex than any of the others. So when the doctor corrects her and is like, he, not it, I was like how do you know he though? I understand not wanting to call him an it, mm-hmm. but it also how do you know that's the one? Well, um,
1: maybe because the doctor is able to be in tune with them. Maybe okay, and maybe they're maybe all ood are male because it, I don't know exactly how they are created, mm-hmm. but it seems like they're all male. Hmm. They all have male voices.
0: It seems. I'm like not, not entirely sure. That's not true, though, sh- because they programmed that second one to have a sexy lady voice. I was going to say, yeah, it, like when we hear them talk, they've already been programmed. So it's unclear to me if that's their actual voice or not. So, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they've all been given the Jeeves voice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I do love the Ood. I don't know what it is about them. They're just so sweet. They're very dignified as part of it, yeah. I think. Um, yeah,
1: like the gentleman and Buffy. I love that monster, oh. too, because they're just so cool looking and I just love how they move and they're, yeah, dignified.
0: The gentleman are the creepiest. Yeah. Uh, I love that best. episode. <laughs> so we have this um, sales rep, Solana. She's the marketing person. Okay, yeah. I feel like it is significant in this episode that we have two white men that are like the ones that are CEO. They're like higher ups. But then we have Solana. And later on, there is a man who looks like he's Indian or maybe Pakistani, who's like a customer in the cocktail hour. And then in the warehouse, there's a black man who Hmm. is trying to chase down the doctor with that like claw like it's a giant claw game i thought that too um and i can't help but feel like that was on purpose because i mean obviously british imperialism over indian people is like hideous and went on so far into the 20th century that it's shocking um and i feel like there's a bit of a statement being made here that like you can have been part of an oppressed group and you still don't necessarily have compunction about oppressing a different group.
1: Hmm. You know what I mean? I hadn't thought about... Yes, I do know what you mean. I had not thought of it in that way. I'm always always happy with British casting because they don't... They don't do what we do here so much, which is fill all casts with white people. Yep. And it's, you know, like it doesn't matter what the show i feel like everything i watch ends up having a good mix of races because britain has not that we don't but they maybe it's because they're smaller maybe because it's been integrated longer than here i don't know but they don't seem to hold back mm-hmm. from like being racially diverse in their casting unless they're doing a period piece which fine Right, true. So I so I didn't really think about it because this show always has a good mix of nationalities and ethnicities. And I just appreciate it on that level. But from that perspective, that's a very interesting and I'm wondering if it was intentional or not.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to know if that was like what they were thinking because it just feels like, you know, we have the – Her and the other guy are the first two that we see before the black man. And that timing also feels like it could be on purpose. So I don't know if that's, you know, but I just sort of found it interesting that she's somebody that you would think would be willing to be a turncoat in the end and be like, never, we can't do this. This is wrong. But right up until the end, she is doing the, like, making the choices that lead to the deaths of these creatures, you know, mm-hmm. I was so like seeing her and others get electrocuted and killed was very gratifying. Yeah. I just was super, it was just a moment of like, fucking finally, I can't, especially when she's like, shoot them, shoot to kill. And I was like, are you really? Oh my God. You're just going to mow them down. Cool. I hate you. <sighs> um, yeah. But here she's introducing all of these potential buyers to a uh, – there's like this building that they're going to start off the cocktail hour and apparently they are each getting assigned like a place to stay. Like this is a, a prolonged visit in other words, I think. Um, well, they had to take a rocket ship in. Right. Well, it's the thing though is like at this e- in this era, I don't know how common that is. Maybe they take a rocket ship home like you know, two hours later, no big deal. I guess so, yeah. I have no idea how long it takes to actually get from wherever they are. Um, But the doctor comes up with Donna and holds up his ID. Uh, and they say that they are with the Noble Corporation. He calls him Dr. Noble and her Mrs. Noble. And I was just like, why would you assume that? They just said they were from the Noble Corporation. Why would you think that they were married? But there it is. And they're given an intro packet and are brought inside for a cocktail hour, a sales pitch before they go to their executive suites. Um, but as they head inside, a siren goes off. And this is apparently the first of a couple that will happen this day. And every time she and the man in charge, Mr. Halpern, Halpern, uh. Get Hopefully very yeah. agitated at the fact that this is happening when there are buyers in the, the vicinity.
1: Well, yeah, because their sales are down and the Ood are exhibiting these weird this weird behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're trying to make these sales, which aren't going to happen if people suddenly are having to deal with these red-eyed hmm. Ood that could potentially then kill them.
0: Yeah. And you know what I'm realizing? Like so much of her sales pitch is focused on we don't mistreat them, I swear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That I I think maybe what I was saying before was just wishful thinking might actually be true. That sales are down because people are not happy with the concept of this. Yeah. You know, and so they're feeling like they really need to um, reassure all of their buyers. And... That's sort of nice. I don't know exactly how much sales have actually dropped. So, you know, who knows how and and if it would last is the other thing. Because frequently we'll we'll make a stand for a little while. And once we feel like we've done something, we'll just go back to what we always did. Right.
1: And like, we don't mistreat them, we swear, is pretty obvious cover up for, well, they get crammed into cages. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the, um, the way that she talks about them is so condescending and so gross. And it's cu- intercut with an Ood who is running wild outside, trying mm-hmm. to get away from these guys carrying like AK-47s. Um, and she's in, in the middle of saying, here at Ood Operations, we like to think of the Ood as our trusted friends. And... We keep them healthy, safe, and educated. And meanwhile, come on, take him alive. You know, it's really quite well done. I liked the, the way that this was set up. And she says, at heart, what is an oud but a reflection of us? Which I like what she's trying to say, which is we the way we treat them is what we get back but it really is just sounding like hey we're not actually uh we're they're not their own people
1: Mm -hmm. they're just
0: mirrors to whatever we say and do and completely divorcing them uh from their own personhood i guess um their own agency yeah so it's it's really gross and horrible and this Ood here that they're chasing down turns around and has the red eyes and is like rabid, essentially. And when he the guy who has cornered it calls into Mr. Halpin, uh, Halpin responds as if this is not the first time this has happened and says something about how um, keep it out of sight for God's sakes. Like, you know, yet again, I have to hide my shame is kind of the vibe. So that's ominous. Um, meanwhile, he's checking the mirror because he's trying to get his hair to grow back. Mm-hmm. And it's not really working out for him. Tee-hee. And he keeps taking this tonic, this hair tonic. Ugh. It's so, like, I was. Did you know the hair tonic was causing the hair loss? No. I just assumed that right away.
1: I didn't really think about it too much. I thought he was lying about it being tonic.
0: Oh, that that it was actually booze. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Um. Yeah, when he was, like, saying it's hair tonic, I just, like, last year I had a full head of hair. This is stress. I was like, ooh, last year you had a full head of hair. I bet somebody is making you lose your hair. However, I did not think it was the Ood doing it. (laughs) I thought it was somebody else. I don't know what, you know. Um. But nevertheless, the reveal, like, the perfect timing, of course, is suspect. But the reveal that he... Is actually losing his hair because of it did not come as a surprise to me, but it's fine. It doesn't really have to. It's not that important. Um, so meanwhile, inside, do- the doctor and Donna are looking at the huge map on the wall that's sort of like interactive about where the Ood come from. And he tells her that they're in like what year is it?
1: Forty-one twenty-six.
0: Yikes. That's crazy town. And Donna is asking whether the Ood get a say in this and goes up to one of them to try and ask what he feels about the situation. And he doesn't even understand what she's asking, can't comprehend it. And that is, for her, inexplicable. The doctor seems like willing to go with it more than she is and takes it for granted that like creatures are just different and maybe mm-hmm. this is how they are um but she seems really fixated on the fact that they don't really understand what freedom means or is and she thinks that's very significant and I appreciate that she zeroed in on that like and that the doctor wouldn't because he does sort of just accept you know to each their own you know from culture to appearance to whatever yeah. And finally the suit says the circle must be broken and says it a couple times, but doesn't expand on that. So they don't really know what to think of what happened. But
1: that's what the one who died earlier said. Right. Right. So second time. Yeah. So that makes them be like, Hmm, what is this about? Well, now we need
0: to go investigate. So in the basement of the facility, the rabbit Ood with the red eyes has been chained up and they are trying to determine what could have happened. The gentleman whom we later find out is actually a plant and he is, uh, you know, sabotaging everything. Dr. Ryder. He yeah. is telling Mr. Halpin that he has done all of these tests and nothing has shown up. That's unusual in their bloodstream or anything. Um, and It's really gross, honestly. This oud is, like, supposed to be foaming at the mouth. But it's just all of this gross, like, white foam around its tentacles. And when it, like, wildly shakes its head, foam flies all over the place, like little flecks of it. It's real nasty. I hated it. I didn't want to be anywhere near it. I wanted them to back up and get, like, a raincoat or something. Ugh. Awful. Um... And the doctor says, if I'm going to work on this, I, I need to see it just in case. And he says, well, let's go. Warehouse 15. And he says, what about this one? Um, I w- would suggest a post-mortem, which means it's got to be dead first. And when he says this, his ood that's by his side, his eyebrows go up, which is like the most response we have ever seen from an ood that does not have red eyes. That's like yeah. the the biggest change in expression I think I've ever seen on one of their little faces. I didn't even know the makeup allowed for them to raise their eyebrows, you know? I don't like, think I even noticed. Yeah. He gets a real, like, are you serious? And like, <laughs> we're going to do bitch, a please. post-mortem, but we're also going to riddle the body with bullets first. That doesn't feel expeditious. We should just get a needle and, you know, put him down softly. But... Yeah. They don't think of them as, you know, creatures. But it's like for the for the sake of the convenience of the postmortem, don't make him like fidd- fiddle around with re- extracting all of the bullets and figuring out <laughs> is this damage what caused the thing or is this damage from the hundred shots his body was filled with? This feels like True. a po- poor choice is what I'm saying. Yeah. But clearly not a doctor who made this decision. And he goes with the uh with Dr. Ryder to this building and has apparently not been in this building since he was like six years old.
1: No, he said he hasn't been in there for about ten years.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But the first time his father brought him to it he was
0: six. Ah, okay, gotcha.
1: It's worded really weird, but like I had to think about what he was saying. And it's just, he just doesn't like to go there. So when he makes these visits, he doesn't.
0: Yeah, apparently it stinks really bad.
1: Well, when we see what it is, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a giant brain, just FYI. Um, Which was what I thought it was. Because it seemed like there had to be some sort of like central, the way that the Ood communicate, it was just too weird, you know. I was like, there has to be something that's sort of like, in control of them all i guess but i was surprised that it was an organic brain and not like a sort of what's the word i want almost like a computer that Mm. was being used to program the ood. in and it, it it functions the same way but i just didn't think it was going to be like a living thing until he like pours his drink over and it like shrieks And then I was like, oh, all right. Well, apparently it's something else. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Miss... What's her name? Solana? Solana? Yeah, she's uh, letting him know that she found out the nobles, the people from the Noble Corporation, are not actually, uh, you know, legit. The Noble Corporation doesn't really exist.
1: Did you skip over the part where donna realizes that the oods are slaves not servants
0: uh i guess oh yeah it's a really short scene that's right yeah cuz i, yeah, I they of like, like watching over. them
1: being like herded
0: yeah
1: um and she's like i figured after all this time that you know we would be past this and he was like well it's not that different from your time and she's like what are you talking about and he's like who do you think made your clothes mm-hmm
0: yeah, it's like, I really kind of like the uh the fact that she, there's that scene later where she's like I want to hear their song and then she's like no I don't never mind I take it back. Because it's similar to how it is living the way that we do now where we want, we say we want to know about where our clothes come from, where our food comes from, you know, the pr- production of all of the things that we buy and consume. But once we know, we kind of wish we didn't know. And we'll often go Mm -hmm. back to pretending that we don't. Yep. And to a degree, we have to. Like, there's a a certain amount of self-preservation of our mental health because we only have so much control over what we consume. It's all very well to say, well, buy things that are cruelty-free or buy things that are ethically sourced. But it's like, if you're poor, you don't have those sorts of choices. You get to pick yeah. what you can afford and that's about it. Um, So there are parts, points where I'm like, I feel like we do need to take a harder look at things. And then I'm like, but the people who are actually in power are the ones that need to do that. And they're not going to do that.
1: And even if they did, they don't care.
0: Exactly. That's kind of what I mean. They don't want to do that because what does that profit them? That's right. the opposite of their intent.
1: Well, and saying, like, the people in power need to take a hard look at something,
0: they already know. Right. They're the ones who set it up.
1: Yeah. So, to them, it's like, most of them would willingly own slaves if they could. Yeah. So, they're really not going to care if the general public is outraged by the conditions that people work in, or the conditions that the animals live in, or whatever, until it affects their profit Mm -hmm. and when we can't all afford to just boycott everything.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Their profits are not going to go down and they're going to continue to be like, this system works, Mm -hmm. cheap
0: labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is why when people try and advocate for a purely nonviolent response to things, I'm like, listen, I understand why you feel this way, but there really does come a point where it's like, unless the majority who are poor do something violent those who have money can avoid what we say and what we request Mm -hmm. and what we boycott and whatever very easily but that's another fucking conversation
1: (laughs) so look it's it's really difficult to talk about even science fiction slavery without bringing up fucking slavery mm -hmm. like it's there's no way to talk about this and pretend like it's not something that affects us still, right? In real life, they might not call it slavery, but it's not that far removed.
0: It's a hundred percent. I mean, even in our own prisons, like there's especially a our own prisons that says yeah. that they are allowed to be used as slave labor, and comp- for-profit prisons sell that labor, and profit off of the backs of incarcerated people and it's so easy to just be like well then don't go to prison you think a prison that operates for profit isn't motivated to arrest people that don't deserve to be arrested right. it's a really really short jump to that if you and even cause even- them to have any sort of profit that they can make from the imprisonment of a people mm-hmm. tch, end of story you have ruined the, the whole concept of this system Yeah, and the prison system in
1: this country was built as a way to get people who had recently been freed as slaves Mm -hmm. into slavery again. Exactly. So, welcome to History Hour. Yeah, it's (laughs) just... Everything's terrible.
0: Everybody tries to be like, well, history is over and get over it. And it's like, first of all, get over it. Go fuck yourself. That is not that long ago in the history of our country. But also, it's not over. It's just been changed to be a court like legal in this era and yeah you all just accept it because you're too foolish and ignorant to understand how this is actually working out
1: exactly and like i didn't know that that was that our prison system was built in that way Mm -hmm. until just a few years ago when i really started reading about stuff that i hadn't really gotten around to reading about
0: oh i don't blame people for not knowing in the first place at all It's when you begin to talk to them about it and they begin to claim that the, you know, nobody's going to prison who doesn't deserve to be there. Well, that's
1: completely untrue. So
0: (laughs) it's just one of those things that there's no having a conversation with a person who believes that, you know, like having that sort of trust in a system is simply unrelatable for me at this point. Like, um, so Then they, like, go into the warehouse, and there are all of these uh, shipping containers. And Donna is just like, well, what's in the shipping containers? And he's like, what do you think is in the shipping containers? Like, Yeah. Come on, Donna. Yeah. You know. And they open one, and the Ud are just standing in there. Mm -hmm. I really wonder about, like, them being fed and everything. There is nothing, like, indicating... Like they're you know they're constantly being called livestock, mm-hmm. but we don't see like feeding troughs or anything like that. Yeah. Um. And so I'm very curious about exactly what that's like, but they are packed in there to the gills. Like, do they have gills? I bet they have gills somewhere. Um. And when he opens the shipping container door. She's just like, oh, my God, it stinks. And I was like, oh, that's vile. I bet it's really nasty. Meanwhile, the gentleman, Commander Kess, is what it says his name is, um, has discovered the doctor and Donna in the warehouse and presses the alarm and begins to go after the doctor with the giant claw. And he presses the alarm and immediately Halpin is like, what the fuck? I said no alarms. That was the whole thing. Keep it quiet. Deal with this so that the guests don't know there is something happening. And meanwhile, Solana is having to uh, calm down everybody at the cocktail party. Who's like, what's going on now? Cause there was a- an alarm earlier and a bunch of dudes swoop in And grab Donna and throw her into one of the containers with the ood And the doctor is running away from this, uh, this claw that Commander Kellen, is that his name? Kess Kess. This guy is way too excited about this. He, like, leans in like it's a fucking, like, a Star Wars video game. And is, like, screaming with excitement as he comes after him with this thing. Listen, sir, you need to get a hobby. You need to calm down. You need something for excitement because you shouldn't have this reaction to hunting a person with the machinery you use for work. That feels like a real problem that maybe you should look at. Yeah. Um, He's
1: the type of guy that would sign up for, like the greatest game or the whatever it is where they hunt people yeah what, it was
0: it was some movie the most dangerous game most dangerous yeah game. the greatest game i don't know <laughs> he, he. <laughs> um the most dangerous game man <clears throat> a tease i hunted manatees <laughs> Um,
1: God, the most docile
0: things in the world. That's a Jack Donaghy line from 30 Rock. Is
1: it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, my boyfriend, he's working in Kentucky and he got to his hotel and his room is huge and really nice and it had this microwave that he sent me a picture of and then underneath the picture he sent me a little gif of Jack Donaghy. And I thought it was because it was like a GE microwave, and I was like, okay. And so I sent a Liz Lemon one back, and then later he's like, my microwave burrito was so good. Jack Donaghy was right. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. Wait, what? You know how he was the head of like microwave technology or whatever before he was? I don't know. Yeah, but he what is really
0: what is with the burrito? Was,
1: he cooked a burrito in the microwave and it came out really really good better than any other microwave he's ever used oh and he was he just made some dumb joke about 30 rock about Jack Donaghy was right and I was like
0: you're weird (laughs) you're bad that is such a specific niche joke and that's me saying that (laughs) lord Uh, um sorry no my stories went nowhere (laughs) I was just like, did I miss what? Um, Because you were like, I thought he sent it because of, you know, Jack being working at GE and I was like, whatever. And then you said something that basically that was why. Yeah. So like the way that you were like, I thought he sent it because of this, but the tone you had was like, but it turned out to be a totally different thing, (laughs) except then it turns out to be exactly that thing so i was like I waiting didn't understand for the other why he
1: was so excited about this microwave i'm like great I'm glad you had the good burrito what go to bed <laughs> you're obviously very tired
0: <laughs> poor Bibby. yeah men when they get overtired can be pretty funny oh and when i was away in universal or in orlando he like he, he called me at night when he had just eaten like two giant bowls of Kraft Mac and cheese with sausage and was like clearly regretting everything in his life. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so tired. And Oh God, I just, Oh, I feel terrible. It was so good. I feel awful. Um, so while trapped in this container with the Ood, A bunch of their eyes begin to glow red, and Donna is yelling at them, like, what did I do? I'm not one of that lot. And I was just like, man, the whole, like, I didn't have slaves. My parents didn't have slaves. Why are you mad at me? (laughs)
1: I think she more means I'm not one of them who put you in here. Oh, yeah. T-
0: that's totally what she means. But, you know, for them, she is a human being and she's yeah. part of this group that is oppressing them. And who the fuck do they like? They don't care. And yeah. that's so understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, But she is like they're they're coming at her and the basic, the claw, meanwhile, is coming down at the doctor and it stops a second before it wraps around the doctor because Solana has stepped in and it's like, you heard them. They, the Mr. Halpin wants them alive. So they get her out of the container, like just in time. And can we just mention how great Donna's hair looks like in this whole episode? Sure. She's got some real big bouncy hair. It's pretty good. And as soon as they get out, the Ood begin to attack all of the uh, soldiers that are in charge of them, they start to come out of a bunch of different like shipping containers. I don't know how all of them were opened or if there isn't anything preventing them from being opened from the inside. It's just that they're normally docile and don't even try. I think that's what it is. Um, But they are, they run away and they, Solana is with them running and this is when they have the confrontation with her and is just like, did you know, like, do people know about how they treat the oud? And she says, of course they know. They don't ask same thing, which that's pretty damning. I like that. And when they finally get down to brass tacks and they're like, are you going to help us or not? Because you can change this whole thing. She's like, this has nothing to do with me. I didn't know what they were doing. And the doctor is like, oh, yeah, because you didn't ask. So funny, right? And eventually, when she's like, when this, when I was going to say when the screws are really put to her, but in this context with thumbscrews having been a thing during slavery to control slaves, that feels really in poor taste. So (laughs) uh, when it comes right down to it, she Yells to the guards, they're over here, and turns them in. And, yikes, girl. Come on. Ugh. You have chosen poorly. <laughs> I will say, though, she's got a pretty sick outfit on. She's got some yeah, nice like like, boots. knee-high boots. Yeah, those are some good boots. The whole outfit. And her hair, immaculate. Yeah. Um. So... Let's see, where do the doctor... Oh, yeah, this is when the doctor and Donna go into the pens. And there are some that have been transformed already, like they're with their red eyes. But then there are some that are awaiting the surgical procedure, which we find out they go through. And it turns out that they are... They have like two brains Mm -hmm. and uh, that translator, what do you call it? The
1: translator, a little translation orb.
0: Yeah. It's like where their other brain used to be. Yeah. So they are essentially like lobotomized and replaced with a computer that will, you know, they will not fight back they will do what they're told and this thing is they're they're completely mutilated basically and have yeah. their free will taken away and it's pretty gruesome um the whole concept of it and this is when they have the song of them being like imprisoned what does he say the song of i can't remember the word that he uses um but he can hear it all the time. And Donna has the option of hearing it or not. And he's like, are you sure you want to? And she says yes. And as soon as she hears it, she starts crying. And is like, never mind, I take it back. Um, and the ones that they come across that are in the basement are like huddled and really just have a downtrodden look whereas the others are absolutely unmovable you know there's nothing about them that indicates whether they're in a good mood or a bad mood there's nothing about them that makes it seem like that it's too cold or too hot but this group is has a much more human sort of posture um but yeah this is let's see do you want to hear it and she says yeah and he says, it's the song of captivity. That's what it is. Um, so, yeah, she tells him finally to take it away because she can't bear it. And she's a little bit impressed at the fact that apparently he can hear it all the time and just has to sort of deal with it.
1: You don't think that made her sad? What? You don't think that made her sad? That he just has to hear it all the time?
0: Oh, yeah. But I meant more impressed with the, like, that I think it's it's made an impression on her. Not like, mm. oh, wow, good for you. But, like, you are maybe, because of who you are, seeing an aspect of the things that we see together that I didn't even know about. So, yeah. like, you know, like, the suffering of these these creatures is... I think she felt initially like the doctor was sort of like cold-hearted about it because earlier mm-hmm. when he says that he's met the oud before and that he didn't like uh ask any questions about why they are the way that they are she's she says like that's not like you and he just says well I was busy and it's yeah, easy because earlier hear that. when she
1: she says, he says I've seen the red eye thing before with something controlling them and she's like what and he's like uh it's it's a long story and she presses and he's like okay so it was the devil and oh she's God. like well if you're not going to tell
0: me I love that so much yeah funny story it was satan himself <laughs> oh okay sure um but yeah I do really like that the You know, she has what I feel like is a moment of like, oh, you were too busy. okay, And then comes to find out later that he's hearing this the whole time and just kind of has to like cope. And that's pretty. I don't know that if I don't know if that says that he's strong exactly, but there's clearly something about that that feels like she knows she isn't capable of it. So there mm-hmm. is a bit of being impressed in that respect, you know? Um, And this is when they find out about the brains in their hands, which are so creepy looking like the props for the, the little brains and the uh, like umbilical cords mm-hmm. that are attached to them. Oh God. So, so creepy. I hate it. So,
1: This, my notes say that it's basically works as their medulla oblongata, which is the part of the brain that gives a being its personality. Ah. And so they realize that these, this corporation is removing these little brains to give them personality and replacing them with the translation spheres, which is like a lobotomy to remove their free will.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh my god. And then comes the doctor slamming the door and standing inside the cage. Oh, what are you gonna do? Lock me up, throw me in a cage where you're too late. Ha! And then immediately <laughs> cuts to them being put in handcuffs. I yeah. love it. Um And this fucking guy, the ood were nothing without us, just animals roaming around on the ice. And the doctor says that's because you can't hear them. And I mean, if this isn't the exact argument, people, when I say that this is the exact argument that white folks made for in- enslaving black people, you may hear that and be like, yeah, people 100 years ago, 200 years ago were really awful. No, no, no. Go to a plantation tour and you will hear white people in the year of our Lord Beyonce 2019 Talking about how, well, it wasn't that bad, right? It was better than where they were. Legit happens. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of tours now that put a lot more focus on the actual slaves and what they experienced on plantations versus what was going on in the big house, which makes a lot of white people who come to these plantations for the tours pretty uncomfortable because that's not what they want to know about. Mm -hmm. And when they realize this is what is going to be a focus of part of the tour, they push back and make it really clear that they don't even think it was that bad, that it's all been kind of exaggerated, that the things that we hear about how bad it was for slaves were the outlying cases and not the norm. And it's just so unbelievably frustrating to me that we are that willing to this day to stick our heads in the sand. Like...
1: Have you seen the movie 12 Years a Slave?
0: Nope. It's really
1: good. It took me a long time to get around to watching it because I just knew it was going to be upsetting. But I would highly recommend it because they don't shy away from how awful... The slave owners were, which I, a lot of times they try to make like, well, but you know, the wife really cared about the slaves. Mm-hmm. No, the wives were fucking awful. Yeah. I mean, and there's I really some reason loved that, that the
0: system works and that means it's because everybody is a part of it. Yeah. It's systems don't become systems due to outlying terrible people. Right. You it know. was
1: the people who were, who were against it were the ones who, you know, were on the beginnings of like the underground railroad, like the white people that were involved. Obviously the black people were the ones who started the underground railroad, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to recommend a movie that's so hard to watch, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it, it's important to watch. It's a, and it's, just really well done and really well acted.
0: Yeah. It's like on a long list of, I don't think I'm doing that. Movies that I've got (laughs) in my brain, you know,
1: I still haven't watched all of Schindler's list, which as a, you know, Jewish girl, people feel I should. Um, I couldn't get through it. It was, it was hard.
0: I mean, it's got a happier ending, I'm sure. And like when you come down to it, but
1: does it see i don't know because i never finished it <laughs> but it was th- that like it that was rough for me to watch 12 years of slave was really rough for me to watch i i don't know if i ever would have gotten around to it if my friend darnell hadn't been like no please watch it you should watch it yeah and i was like okay and so i finally did and it's just really really great and Yet, I've told Jason a bunch of times, like, oh, you should watch that. And he's like, well, we should watch it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can watch it again.
0: But you should watch it. Right.
1: <laughs> I just don't know if I can sit through it again because it's rough.
0: That's how it's been with me and uh, The Wire because Owen never finished it. And he keeps being like, mm. can we watch that? And I'm like, you can watch it. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. Um, so, yeah, this this – Moment and and I love Donna's rage where she just says you idiot and cusses the guy out essentially and the doctor tells her nice one, um, and he says the system has worked for two hundred years. All we've got is a rogue batch.
1: Is this where she talks about how they were born with their brains in their hands and so they peaceful? have to trust. That you're not going to hurt them. I just thought that was so beautiful Mm -hmm. and so perceptive in a way that the character of Donna is the... Like, I can't imagine Rose making a speech like that. She would have had
0: something to say about it. Oh, for sure.
1: But the way that Donna worded it, Mm -hmm. it's just... I loved it.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah, it's an interesting observation that basically how are they going to like protect themselves hold their brain in one hand and deck you in the face with the other like right,
1: they have to be trusting they have no choice yeah and then you took that gentle kindness of theirs mm-hmm. to mutilate them yeah and enslave them it's gross
0: super gross who would ever thought that like a creature this hideous I would be like, they're so sweet because they're they're really just just so so ugly. I
1: I think they're kind of cute. I don't know what it is about them. They just have such sweet faces. I think it's the
0: tilt of the eyes. Yeah, I think you're right. Just gives them a sort of mournful, melancholy appearance. Yeah. Um, So they're in the middle of this when the Ood that are in the room begin to go rogue as well. And, uh, What's her face? Solana runs outside to escape and comes across a huge group of them coming at her. And she commands the military that's outside, or not military, but the uh, security guards yeah. to open fire. And one of them sneaks up behind her and zaps her anyway. And I was like, ha ha. And yeah. the commander, Hess? Sess? Hess? Kess. Kess. He gets taken out, and it's just basically like pandemonium out there at this point. Everybody's like, it's every man for themselves. There's barrels of gasoline going up in flames. Um, I
1: like that it's referred to as a revolution.
0: Yeah, by the guy who's on the inside making sure yeah. that this revolution takes place.
1: Right. Ah, but there was a part of me that was like, yeah, see, this is what we need to do.
0: Mm-hmm revolution. That's what it's going to take. And Cass, I had forgotten, they, like, take him down in that they incapacitate him for a second, but they don't zap him. They lock him in the cage that the others were all in so that he gets knocked out and killed with his own gas that he was going to use Mm -hmm. on them, which is pretty good. I like that. And uh, Mr. Halpin decides that he is going to abandon ship. And get the fuck out and leave these two to deal with the Ood, which he fully expects to kill them. Um, And the doctor brings up that there is something else that is controlling them. And he hasn't seen this brain yet, but he knows there's something going on. Yeah. And Mr. Halpin is unconcerned because, you know, they're taking off as far as he believes that thing is going to wind up dying or being killed. I don't know if they had set up a specific means of killing it or if he just thought without things without maintenance, it's just going to die by itself.
1: Well, I think he immediately, he's like, Oh no, I know how to, how to just wipe this all out. Cause that's why he goes to warehouse 15 and starts setting up like little.
0: Oh, chargers. right, right, right. I forgot about how that happens next. Yeah. 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 Okay. You're right.
1: Like he's going to leave but he's going to like basically incapacitate them right. first.
0: So did this thing, this brain exist on their planet?
1: Yeah, they found it there. Like they they got to this planet and they like subjugated these ood that were wandering around, not fighting back and treating them as if they're livestock and then they found this giant Brain, in the in a glacier, and decided to use that too because it. I think it's how more of them are produced or something.
0: Okay. Huh. Wild. So it's not part of their species, but it somehow like ties in with their communications.
1: It is. It's like you know how they are. They communicate telepathically. Mm-hmm. It's like they're all linked, huh. and this brain which existed in the ice on their planet was partially why
0: okay so they were even though it was in the ice it wasn't like it was frozen from it right it just lived in the ice yeah okay gotcha
1: and now that big brain is like trying to break out of this binding that it's in which is that like electrical current that's going around it Mm -hmm. and so it's Pushing these thoughts to the oud that are out there to revolt. Right,
0: right, right.
1: And that's why they keep saying the circle must be broken because that and they need to break that electricity so that it the brain the big brain
0: can be free. Right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And then that is what it turns out that Doctor Ryder was doing. Yeah, he was. He'd been
1: he'd been there for ten years, and it took him that long to get. To be trusted enough to be brought to Warehouse 15, which he'd never had access to.
0: That is a long fucking game he's playing. Yeah. Good for him. Good on you, Dr. Ryder. Seriously patient in a way that... I mean,
1: he also could have just not cut off their little brains and just put a little thing around it, but like told them to pretend, but whatever.
0: Put a little thing around it. Oh, you mean like, but then the umbilical cord would still show. I guess he could cover that and there are
1: ways that he could have worked a different kind of revolution without also like lobotomizing all these creatures in the meantime.
0: That's true. Hmm. I guess he would have to trust that they would be able to restrain themselves from having any sort of reaction to being mistreated though.
1: Yeah, I guess. And that
0: seems like basically impossible. Um, that's the thing about, and see, when you and I were talking about, like, spy stuff earlier, mm-hmm. and this is the sort of thing that I feel like I would have the hardest time with is that you, like, have moments like this where you're, there's what is right and then there's what is going to make your mission succeed. Right. And what would be right for him to do would be to not lobotomize, but that would result in him probably not succeeding in the ultimate mission to free all of the ones that are already lobotomized as well. Mm -hmm. um that's
1: like the like people who go undercover in um like even with fbi but down through like you know detectives in the police force who go undercover in like drug organizations Mm -hmm. and end up having to be so involved in what's going on in order to be trusted Mm -hmm. that they end up with drug problems and involved with things that you know they should also be arrested for because they've been a part of it yeah but they have to do it in order to succeed with the with the big picture mm-hmm.
0: yeah i uh i really don't envy people who have to make these sorts of choices like yeah i just some um, i ugh, i don't envy them i but there's a part of me that wishes that i had
1: gone on a path where I became a spy. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, thank you. So not. Uh-uh. And this guy, of course, like he outs himself and then does nothing to sort of protect himself as he does so. So when right, he, he tells just gets
1: thrown into a brain. Yeah.
0: He just gets like tossed in there. and The brain apparently like absorbs him or something. But it is a it's sort of embarrassing to be honest. Like guy. You couldn't see that coming they're standing right there (laughs) like even if there wasn't a brain that basically seems to drown you there's going to be a fall that kills you you should know but it's fine so at this point his uh trusty ood when he pulls the gun on the doctor and donna asks him if he wants a drink and he's like hi this isn't the time buddy no and he repeats, please have a drink, sir, and steps in front of Donna and the doctor. And he says, Have you been poisoning me? And the, the oud replies, Natural oud must never kill, sir. What? He says, funny thing. The doctor says, funny thing, the subconscious, it takes uh, all sorts of shapes. Came out in the red eyes, revenge came out in the rabid oods, anger. And then there was patience. So he says, natural ood must never kill, but that's part of just a uh, res- like rope response. Mm-hmm. And he has been poisoning his master without realizing it the whole time is that what it's supposed to be no that's why he's been patient
1: he has been feeding this guy some kind of tonic that is rewriting his biology so he's not killing him he's turning him into a dude
0: right right how did i forget this i just watched this episode there's just a (laughs) lot happening um Oh, that's Apparently, right. Because this
1: scene where he turns into an Ood was originally much more graphic. And they had to edit around some of that graphicness because it was too much for family
0: TV. It's pretty gross. Like, okay. I'm, And I'm, it's going to sound like I'm lying. And I swear I'm not, guys. But because of what happened with the other dudes with tentacle faces, uh, when they make the human Dalek. Yeah. Um, when his hair started falling out, that was my first thought was like, oh my God, are they turning him into a nude and immediately dropped it. And I was just like, no, that's silly. And guess what? I was feeling pretty validated, even though I also like dropped the idea. But then when it turns out to actually be what's going on, I was like, I am very happy with this. Um, it's, and it's such a creepy, weird moment. Like the fact that this is less graphic than it was. Yeah, I would love to see the original because it is unsettling in the extreme. <laughs> I, he
1: sneezes out his new brain. Oh, my
0: God. Also, I just am like, there's something so vaginal about the Ood's faces. Mm-hmm. Like, there's even a sort of a bump that's like low-key, like a clit. <laughs> it's just really like, so the combination... Of like the tentacles coming out of his mouth the way they do, and basically like peeling his face off, and there be it being like this like layer of skin that's like got oh 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 it's so gross it's so gross it's so gross it's so gross. gross. (laughs) I love Donna's face. She's it's like a combination of like holy fuck what is happening, but also wait wait what (laughs) like it's it's a she's it's a perfect note of i am disgusted and also i'm not totally positive that what i'm seeing is what's really happening because that doesn't sound like it makes sense at all right and then he like yeah like coughs up his brain into his hands he has become Ood kind, and we will take care of him. Oof. Oof. What does that mean? That
1: just means they're going to let him live.
0: I don't believe it. But he's an it.
1: Ood. They're, they're not violent. Ah! They've become violent because they've been subjugated, but I think their natural way of being is to take care of. to be kind.
0: Hmm. So he's kind now to each other by, by and default. And they
1: they don't they don't kill. Like he does say that. Like we
0: the oud does not kill. Yeah, that a natural oud does not kill. But like, does transforming him make him peaceful now? Well, what's he going to do? He's got his brain in his hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I guess it changes so. him
1: completely. They they turned him into a oud, which makes me wonder. How
0: How often does that happen? <laughs> that they can turn someone into a nude? That is not what I thought you were going to ask. <laughs> how often does that happen? Because <laughs> I've
1: been wondering how they're created in the
0: first place. I mean, created. I mean, I've just thought they exist like animals exist. What do you mean, but, created?
1: Like they. Like we were saying that they all seem to be male. So how do they reproduce? Is Do they come out of eggs?
0: Oh, I see.
1: You know, like, so is this the way they are created? Is they turn another creature into one of them? Or is this a special case?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. Hmm. I bet there's
1: maybe fan fiction. No, nah, I don't oh. think people write a fan fiction about the creatures unless they're writing dirty fanfiction. I think most of the fanfiction is about the doctor.
0: If you don't think there can be dirty fanfiction involving ood eggs. Oh I'm I don't sure know there is. <laughs> but
1: I was talking about like legit serious fanfiction where somebody actually
0: thought about this. Um and we come to like the end where the doctor and Donna are about to get back on the uh, in the TARDIS. And the ood tells the doctor that he thinks his song must end soon it's very foreboding mm. and the doctor sort of gives him a look and says meaning and he says every song must end and the doctor just sort of goes yeah uh you want to go home donna and clearly just does not want to hear whatever it is that is being said here um very curious I want to know how the Ood are tuning in and able to maybe tell the future, because that's what it feels like is sort of happening here. Mm -hmm. They're dialed in somehow.
1: Well, you can understand why the doctor would be like, "Eh, it doesn't really apply to me, because even when I
0: die, I don't die. Exactly. And they begin to uh, sing, and they say that, like, the doctor and Donna, Dr. Donna is going to live on in their history as having been saviors, basically. hmm And they get into the TARDIS, and they go away, and the doctor asks Donna, like, Do you, are you still wanting to go home? And she says, oh, no, definitely not. Because they just had a, a resounding success in helping an entire race escape slavery. Yep. So that feels pretty good, I would imagine. I hope it also affects
1: all of the ood that have been sold into slavery around the universe.
0: Yeah, that's true, huh? Because they're pretty far away from this brain. I don't know how far away that, uh, what do you call it? S- signal travels.
1: Yeah. Because it showed that map that the doctor was looking at shows, like, Basically, the network that humans have. Right. And all of these places are where the
0: Ood would have been sold to. Hmm. Curious. Well, maybe all of the Ood's owners are also dead, which would maybe. be pretty cool. I'm fine maybe with it. Maybe they've all been turned into Oods. <gasps> that would also be pretty good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah. So I like this episode. It was very emotional. And, uh, Donna is just the best mm-hmm. and, you know, more ouds and they are free now. So thumbs up.
1: Yeah. It's a much better ending than the last time we saw the oud when they all got thrown into a black Ugh. hole cause they couldn't save them. That was yeah, much more depressing. Sucked. Like this that. is a more emotional episode because it focuses on them, but that one was much more upsetting. Yes. Because they had no choice and they couldn't be saved. Yep, exactly. Because of the circumstances. And as like, I really liked the Ood in that episode. So getting this one made me really happy because we actually got to learn a bit more about them. And they're not a villain creature.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely not yeah having something be so like creepy looking but also sympathetic is a pretty neat turn. That just yeah. doesn't happen often. Um, all right, cool. Well, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap this one up? Uh
1: no, I don't have any trivia that other than the couple of things that
0: I mentioned cool. and
1: I don't have
0: any reviews, so all right. Well, guys, um, I'm going to read patrons next week. I am so tired. I am so tired. Uh, So I am going to wrap this up. But thank you all so, so much for listening. Really appreciate you. I'm delighted that this season is turning out better. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week with a new episode. So until then, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Bye. Spoiled Network Podcast.